You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. I want to start with a question that you might have heard many times earlier in your life. Here it is. You ready? What do you want to do when you grow up? You remember, yeah, me too. I'm the same boat. What do you want to do when you grow up? You ever hear that question? I know. Uh, I, I remember when I was, I think I was in the second grade, we had career day at school. Did you ever have career day at school? And we had this particular day where you would dress up in whatever, I don't know, costume that you wanted to be when you grew up, and you would, it was career day, so you'd come dressed in that way. And it sounds like a really cool idea. Some of you guys are teachers. Really awesome idea to teachers. Very stressful to kids who are very serious about knowing what they want to do when they grow up. Okay, and so I want to know, like, I don't know, I don't know, I can't decide what I want to be for Halloween. I can't, I can't decide what I want to do when I grow up. But some of the kids in my class, they decided, you know, I'm going to be an army man, I'm going to be a, a policeman, I'm going to, and what I realized later is that that's just the costumes they already had in their play box, and so like, I'm going to be a soldier, and so, no, you're not. G.I. Joe's not a real job. Like, there's other things. But uh, I didn't know, but I finally decided, I had to decide, you know, uh, you know, this week is, is career day. i got to decide. So I go to my mom and I tell her, Mom, I know what I want to do when I grow up. And she says, what? And I said, I want to be a scientist. So my mom goes, okay, we can make that happen. So she finds me somewhere, this white lab coat and a pocket protector and some black room glasses because, you know, those are all essential things to being a good scientist. And so I, I, I go as a scientist. And um, by the way, Brian, who plays keyboard here, he's a real scientist. So I, he's actually smarter than me and like by 5,000%. But um, but that's what I thought it was, you know, go dress up as a scientist. So I get there. Well, here's the thing. I didn't realize that I was committing to that for the rest of my life. Um, because then the rest of my family decided, oh, it's cute. Chris wants to be a scientist when he grows up. That'll be great. So like for Christmas that year, what I get? Like experiment kits. My birthday, I got a microscope, telescope. I get all this stuff. They're giving me rocks. Like here, this is, this is butterflies. I just found butterflies. You want to look at them. And here's the thing. I had a secret. I didn't want to be a scientist. I didn't even know what that meant. I just thought it would be cool to get to wear a white lab jacket and everything. And so I really battled with this for a while. I don't know how long it took. And I don't remember, I don't know if my mom remembers this conversation, but I went to my mom and I said, Mom, I, I, I need to talk to you about something. She's like, what is it, honey? I, well, you know how I said I want to be a scientist when I grow up? Of course, kids never, they, they do this. I want to be a scientist when I grow up. And she was like, what was it? Stand still. That's what I tell my kids all the time. And she said, yeah. And I said, I don't. I don't want to be a scientist. <laughs> what? I don't, I don't want to be a scientist. Okay, okay. And I need you to tell the rest of the family to just let it go. <laughs> and I love that my mom, she looked at me and she goes, okay, that's fine with me. You don't have to be a scientist. And she walked away. I'm like, whoo, that's a load off. I, I, uh, I didn't become a scientist. Um, <laughs> now I do this. Um, but uh, how do you decide what to do with your life? Isn't that a really big question? How do you decide what to do with your life? You've had that question, what do you want to do when you grow up? But most of us in the room today are now grown up. And I think if we're honest with each other, Michelle said it when I first started, you're still kind of going, "Ah, I don't really know what I want to do when I grow up. I mean, I have friends in their 50s and 60s who are starting second and third careers. Not because they were bums and didn't do anything, but because, you know, hey, I still got some life left. I want to try something different. And so they hit this new phase of life and they go, I think I want to be something different now when I grow up. But how do you decide? I think that um, I've read this in many places, and there's a list of what people consider the most important questions you could ask yourself in life. One of the top five that I've seen is this. What is 
my purpose? I think that's a question that a lot of us wrestle with. With What is my purpose? You might call it your destiny. You know, and if you're someone who really cares what God thinks, you might call it what is God's will for my life. But whatever it is that you call it, the question remains, what do I do with myself in this X number of years I have on this planet? How do I make it count? How do I make it worth doing? We all grew up hearing that question, what are you going to do when you grow up? This morning I want to propose that, though that's a pretty good question, I'll give us that. Maybe there's a better question that we could ask. Instead of asking, what is it that I want to do? What is it that I can achieve? What if we started asking ourselves a question that was more like this? What does God want to accomplish through me? What does God want me to do? What would God's purpose for my life be? Each week, we take some time to look into the Bible for the answers to some of life's most important questions. And this week is a pretty daggone important question. What's my purpose? Or more specifically, how do I find my purpose? How can I know what to do with my life? And so that's the question I want to look at today. Uh, a lot of people would call this uh, their, their destiny, but whatever you want to label it as, I want to say that maybe God has a plan. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that He does. Not just for us at large but for you specifically. What I want to do this morning, if you've got a Bible, grab it, and we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, I want to give you a couple uh, ideas, options. First, we give them away for free. There are several scattered around under the seats when you came in. You can pick one of those up and keep them. If there isn't one under your seat, you can feel free to go back near where the coffee is. There's some volunteers back there that can help you uh, get one. Also, um, get, get online uh, and, and download the Version app. If you search your app store for Bible, it's going to be probably the number one hit. The app icon just says Bible on it. It's U version and you can have it on your phone for free it's a really cool tool um but by all means get get your bible out if you've got one if you don't have one there's going to be some scripture on the screen behind me and you can look at it there we're going to be in the book of ephesians and we're going to take a look at what god says about our purpose on a really broad level and then do our best this morning to hone it down for you as much as possible i would be a fool to stand here in front of this group of people and say we're going to go one by one and i'm going to tell you what god's purpose for your life is this morning Get a pen and paper. Yeah, because I, I don't have the time to know what God wants me to do. Um, so I'm just trying to decide that for my own life. And I want to tell you some of the principles that I've learned from God's word, the Bible, as to how we can decide that for ourselves. So we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. Um, the book of Ephesians is a pretty cool book. It's in the New Testament of the Bible. That New Testament is that last third of the Bible uh, that is about the life and teachings of Jesus and the history of the early church. The first two-thirds of the Bible is about the history of ancient Israel and how we get to the place where Jesus is. And so we're in the New Testament. And one of the most uh, common authors of the New Testament books is a guy named Paul. Paul was a, a, a Christian leader who actually at one point was a Jewish leader who persecuted Christians. He was literally dragging people out of their house and killing them for saying that they believed in Jesus. But he was so convinced by the testimony of Jesus and his followers that he went from being that guy to being the person who ends up writing most of the New Testament. That is the power that God has in your life to change you. And so these are the words that we have. And when we land in the book of Ephesians, this is a letter that this guy Paul wrote to a church in the city of Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. So he writes this letter. And throughout this letter, uh, we call it a book, he talks about God's purpose for our life in several different ways. 
I would say that Ephesians is probably my favorite book of the Bible. Uh, it's one that when I meet someone who wants to know a lot about God and maybe doesn't have anywhere to start from, I will often start them in different places in the Bible as we study together. But Ephesians will definitely be a place where we'll land eventually because it really gives us the sum of what God's up to through just a short couple chapters. And so that's the book of Ephesians. Um, and we're going to be in chapter 1. Before he says all the other cool stuff that he's going to say later, and we're actually not even going to get into all that today, he wants to make something very clear. He's making these statements to people who are Christians. And he wants them to know something specific about what God has planned for them. Let's take a look at this. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, in Jesus, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Quick pause. Does, do you feel like that describes you? That you're holy and blameless in the sight of God? This is not written about me particularly right now. And it's not written about you either. Except for that's what Jesus does. We'll get there in a second. But it's cool. He chose us in him before the creation of the Lord to, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through the Lord Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and his will. See, Paul's got a lot of teaching to do in this letter, but first he wants to set up the paradigm that we're living in. If someone knows about Jesus and how they're living, and, and, and maybe you're someone who doesn't, I, I'm not a Christian, I don't believe in God, I'm just here with my girlfriend, drug me to church, and I'm here because she told me if I'd come, then we could go to McDonald's afterwards, and I, I came, whatever. Uh, look, I'm so glad that you're here, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something for you specifically in a minute. I'm, I'm so glad that you came. But he's talking to people who would say, yeah, I, I, believe, I believe in Jesus. Paul's purpose is to talk about God's purpose. And he says this phrase, in love, that's the next slide, I want you to see it specially. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. In love, he predestined us for adoption. Adoption is a wonderful process. I know uh, in our church family here, several of you have had adoption impact your life. Either you were adopted by wonderful people or you are adoptive parents. And I know there's at least one family right now going through an adoption process. Adoption is a really beautiful thing. Uh, Lindsay and I have good friends uh, that have adopted a little girl from China. And they, they decided, it was on their heart, they needed to adopt someone with special needs. And China was the place that they picked. And the, the interesting thing about this girl's life, and actually it, it sums up many people who find themselves as orphans, is the state that an orphan finds themselves in, especially as they grow up. This would be the sum of many orphans' life in their mind. Nobody wants me. I'm not cared for. I'm not loved. Nobody wants me. Now, the thing is, sometimes that's the farthest thing from the truth. I mean, there are really amazing foster parents and orphanages and really loving people who are there. But because they don't have that parental unit in their life, there's this psychological trauma that happens. Those children, and I know of adults who were adopted, and they say, yeah, I grew up with thinking that. And, and this happens. But there's a beautiful thing that happens in adoption. Because what happens, my friends who adopted the girl from China with special needs, they get to go over and they get to meet her. And here's what happens in adoption. You meet the child and then you say, yes, I want to love that one. I choose that one. I'm a biological parent of, of two kids and um, I love them. I love them. In many ways, they're, they're the heartbeat of my life, but I didn't get to choose them, right? And there are things about them that I'd be like, you know, I should reprogram that part. That'd be nice. <laughs> Right? You've been there if you're a parent. But, you know, if you're a biological parent, you don't get to choose your child. 
but an adopted parent, man, that's a special, special place to be in the world. Because you walk in and you say, no one else is loving you right now. Or maybe you don't feel love, but I, I choose you. I choose you. And the process of adoption is kind of, it's kind of hard. In fact, there's these safeguards that are set up to protect the child, right? I mean, it starts out with you've got to visit the child, and then there's things like home visits that you have to do, and there's this load of paperwork that I'm hearing all about, and then there's, there's this process where uh, then after doing all that, then there's like a fee that you have to pay. But why do we do all that? Well, because the last thing we want to put this child in is to another situation where the parent might walk away. Or the parent is not equipped to deal with the child. And so adoption, not only is it a choice, but there's also a process of commitment. You know what Jesus says? He says, I chose you to be adopted by me. Several times in the Bible, God talks about that's what Christianity is. Like you intentionally removed yourself from my family, from my fold. You're doing things on your own, but I, I love you. And I choose you. And and there's a process that's been set up to show his commitment. It wasn't just Jesus looks down and goes, you know what, I'm God, I got room, boom. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to show you my commitment. If you know much about Jesus, you know, what did he do? God becomes man and he dwells among us. He comes and lives as a human being. And not only does he pay that major price living as a human, but he pays the ultimate adoption fee giving his own life on the cross and then showing his power rising from the dead. And there's no perfect metaphors, and so I'm not going to pretend like this is like the ultimate metaphor for God and us because the price that Jesus paid was way more than an adoption fee. Because the things that we have done that are sin have actually separated us from God in the first place. And Jesus says, if I give my life, it will pay the price, the penalty for the mistakes and the sins that you've had so that you could be seen as holy and blameless in my sight. This is the first time you've heard any of this stick around. We talk about it pretty much every week. And so just take that in. But this idea, this picture of adoption is a beautiful comparison that God makes, that Paul makes between us and God. And so I want to look at this verse again. It says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Remember, Jesus' death and resurrection paid the price for our sin. And so people who call on his name and say, I, I choose Jesus. I want to make him the king and the Lord of my life. I want to live for him. He goes, If you're doing that, I see you as holy and blameless. Even though you're not, that's the way that I view you. And then the last part of the verse, in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship and daughtership through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure, listen, his pleasure and his will. It makes God very happy. He loves us and he enjoys our presence and he enjoys our praise. And he says, I want you i choose you and it breaks it brings me great pleasure for you to be living for me now like any child uh, adopted or otherwise we have the option to choose to disobey the father right i got kids who do it all the time I'm like for real we've talked about this why are you doing that and god looks at us the same way i okay well i guess i gave you the choice to do that but he loves us and he says i chose you and i want you in love to choose me back this is picture. We could be done. We could just go home. That's a lesson in itself. But how do we get from this point that we're at to answer the initial question? How do I decide what to do with my life? What is my purpose? What is the reason that I'm here? I want to stop for a second, a second and look at this thing. Is it possible that the reason God chose us was for a purpose? He didn't choose us just arbitrarily. He didn't just come and say, you know what? I got nothing to do in the cosmos. 
I'm going to create mankind. I'm going to let them sin. And then I'm going to get an opportunity to love me back. No, he chose us. He adopted us. He gives us the opportunity for adoption in us choosing him back. And he says, I've got a purpose. I've got a purpose and it comes with the choices that you make. So how do we get all the way back to the original question? Uh, how do I know what to do with my life? What is my purpose? Well, God has chosen us for a reason. And there's a lot that could be said about this issue. I mean, we could talk about the specifics, what each one of us could do with our life. But what I want to do is fast forward just a little bit in Ephesians chapter 1 uh, and look at verse 11. Okay, we're going to be Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11 because he's still kind of in the same vein. And he talks in verse 11. It says, in him, in Jesus, that's the him there, in him we were also chosen Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. You've been chosen according to the plan of him who does everything according to his will, God's will. I chose you with a plan for my purpose. There's a reason God has a plan for your life. And sometimes, sometimes, man, I just wish God would just, um, we live kind of close to the airport and there's these airplanes that fly over our house all the time. I would love to walk out one day and there was this airplane who was just like writing my message in the sky like, Dear Chris, it is Tuesday. Put on your socks. <laughs> you should eat Cheerios this morning. Like, that'd be great. I'd be like, oh, thanks, God. I appreciate that. What next? <laughs> um, but he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. That'd be, that'd be silly. In fact, that would make us drone robots. One of the beauties of God is that he created us with the ability to choose. He's like, I have yeah, infinite options. You can do what you want to do, but there are some guidelines, there are some parameters that you can live within. And so to get to the answer of the question, how do we decide what to do with our life and what is my purpose, I want to kind of draw a picture for you and tell it a way that I've heard it explained before that's been very helpful. But there are essentially three areas of God's will for our life. There are three areas of God's will. And I just want to show them all to you right now. So if you're a note taker, you can go and get them down. Uh, but they are this. They're God's providential will. They're his moral will. And they're his personal will. I didn't make this up. It's been in books. People have talked about it. But God's providential will, his moral will, and his personal will. I want to unpack those three things because I think it's, it's those three things that can help us understand maybe what God wants us to do with our life. And the first thing to understand is that life is basically a journey. And let's just let this journey be represented by a road. And so we're going to kind of have a road that's coming here. Maybe some like lines down the middle. Okay. And you know, you don't know what's over the horizon. That's, there's a metaphor there for you. All right. So there's a road. You see the road? Okay. So this is the road that you're on. And I, this is life. Okay. This is, let's call it the path of your life. That's where you're going. And, and, and this can be determined by any number of wills. Your, your will is your desire and your, your decisions. So more or less, it's your will. You get to decide where you're going to go. That's your path. That's your path. And so let's talk about these three parts of God's will and see if we can make our line, our path, our road, our trail line up with what God wants for us. The, the first part, the first area of God's will is his providential will. Uh, providence basically means something caused by God. You might say, man, it was very providential that we met in the mall today. Well, what you're saying by definition is God caused us to meet. And then when you say it that way, you're kind of like, I'm not sure that's true. Do you really care about Cinnabon? I don't know. Um, but it's providence. It's the things that God is going to do with or without you. That's God's providential will. Like one day, God was sitting up in wherever God is, and he was thinking, I'm going to create the universe. And so he did. And it was God's providential will. You didn't have to pray about that. You didn't have to think about it and, 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 and talk to your friends and get guidance. No, he didn't even need you. That was his providential will. He did that by his own power and for his own reasons and his own purposes. And there are a lot of things in life that are like that and we don't even have to understand 
what it is because it says providential will. These are the things that as you look through the Bible, especially through the Old Testament, you see that there are various areas of God's providential will that guide the people in the Bible to the place where, where Jesus enters the picture. And so if you know much about the Bible, I'll just throw a name drop a little bit for you. I mean, you got Abraham. The things that happened in Abraham's life, that was God's providential will. He goes to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I got a plan. Abraham could have said, no. God could have said, all right, well, I'm going to do this with or without you. And who knows what he would have done otherwise. Got another guy to do it. There are people like King David, people like Moses, who brought the Ten Commandments to the nation of Israel. All throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see these pictures of God is shaping the world through his desire. That's what he wants. And the things continue today. I couldn't begin to name all the providential things that are happening in the world because I'm not God. I don't know his will or his way specifically. But these are the ways that God shapes the world that we live in. It's the providential will of God. And you've been on a road before. The providential will might be seen like our guardrail on the side of the road. This, this rail right here is God's decision. And he says, I have put up these parameters, these limits. These are the things that I'm going to do with or without you. You'll understand this more as we continue on. The more we become familiar with God's providential will, or in other words, what he's doing in the world, the better we'll be suited to understand God's will for our life. Because if you see the patterns that God lives by and that he uh, makes happen, you can go, well, this seems consistent with something God would desire. And that happens with a lifetime of study and living uh, together with people who understand it. And, and if you've got questions, asking the questions and, and reading the Bible and things like that, the more we understand God's providential will, the more we can understand God's will for our life. And so that's the very first one, God's providential will. The second area of God's will I want to call God's moral will. This is, um, God, how would you have us act? How would you have us live? How would you have us behave? God's made many things very clear to us as to what he deems uh, acceptable in the world. And so there's a lot of things that we can look at the Bible and we can understand God, God has laid this out for us. So when you're deciding in your life, what should I do? And one of the decisions you have to make is, well, in order to do this, I would need to lie. Well, God says, no, I don't want you to lie. Well, because of God's moral will, you'd say, well, that wouldn't be part of God's will for my life. I couldn't lie. I want to cheat on my taxes this year because, man, it's, they're just, forget Obamacare. I'm tired of that mess. I'm cheating the system, right? Or should I have sex outside of marriage? Like, should that be something that I do? Or should I, uh, should I get hammered at this party on Saturday night? Should I do that? Like, all these things that go through our mind, and the answer is, well, God talks about honesty. God talks about marital intimacy in the Bible. God talks about drunkenness and all those things that go along with that. And So all of a sudden, now you have some guiding boundaries for your life and what it looks like in this diagram is that there is another guardrail that could be put up on the side of our life this is the guardrail of God's moral will as we travel through life God's moral will is like this guard on the left side of the road and sometimes as we try to find purpose in life this is where we get real guys this is this is me talking to me right now we're driving down life and most often we're going to bump into this thing. We're going to come head into it, and we might hop over it from time to time. Get off-road, you know, do a little off-road travel, make our own path. Maybe we've got some friends who have gone ahead of us, and they've actually worn this path pretty good for us. So it's easy. It's easy to get off of that rail, over that rail, and, and get out there. This is where I want to make sure I say two things. 
it might be that you've got questions about God's moral will. One of the most common questions I get when I talk with people who are new to God, new to Jesus, new to the Bible, new to church is, is blank a sin? You ever had that question about certain things? And that's a really good question to ask. Is blank a sin? Sin is the thing that separates us from God in the first place. That's why Jesus had to come to to pay that adoption fee. Is blank a sin? Well, if you don't know the answer to that question, first of all, I want you to know it's okay. It's okay if you don't know the answer to all those questions. The second thing is, that, and so I want to encourage you to look, uh, find a good Christian friend that you know. If you don't have any Christian friends, and I know that's true about a lot of people who come to our church sometimes, take a second to fill out that green card and say, Chris, I got questions about sin. No one else will see that card. It'll make it to me. I will call you personally. Or we'll help you get in touch with somebody else who can, okay? Or grab me or grab one of our volunteers and say, listen, I just want to talk about some, some God stuff. And we can open up those conversations. But the other thing I want to say is maybe you've jumped over this rail. In fact, I'm going to go out on a huge limb here and say that you've probably jumped over this rail. I know I have. I, I do it still. And I want you to know that that's what grace is all about. Jesus says, I, I came that you might have grace and then that the, the world could be saved through my grace and through my love. And so though you may have derailed, God got this awesome plan. He's like, ah, I got a merging lane. We're going to get you right back on. It's okay. It's okay. We'll get you back on. And you, and you derail again and you get right back on. The goal is not to be perfect because the Bible teaches us there's only one man that was perfect. That was Jesus. The goal is to be able to live within these guardrails and then be able to find what God's purpose for our life is. And so when you ask, what should I do with my life? The more familiar we become with God's moral will, the easier it is for us to find God's personal will. And I'm just going to write on here, me. This road is your life and my life. And the more familiar we are with what God is doing in the world, His providential will, and the more familiar you are with God's moral will, how He wants us to behave and live and act and interact with one another and and respond to Him, the more precisely we can navigate this road. Now, here comes the part where the rubber meets the road. You can know all kinds of things about God in the Bible. Or shoot, you can know all kinds of things about all kinds of things. You can have four master's degree and a doctorate from the School of Hard Knocks. And you can have like all this head knowledge. But until you start doing something with your life, which is basically making choices, making decisions, you're getting nowhere. So this isn't about knowing about guardrails and being able to draw a diagram and talk about it in front of people. It's about deciding what am I going to do from day to day. So we're in this final week of the teaching series that we're calling Lose Myself, Finding Jesus by Letting Go of Control. And in week one, we talked about Matthew 16, 25. In fact, it was the first little memory card that you got if you were here that week. It was the first week of the year. And a summary of that verse is a short part of it is, Jesus said, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And we talked about that for half an hour. So there's a lot of stuff that we could be said about that. But Jesus has this statement that he makes. Listen, if you want to find your purpose, if you want to find your life, the first thing you got to do is let go of what you want and start to pick up what I want for you. So often we get hyped about our own agenda. Like we make plans and we set goals and we pursue passions and we build relationships and we form habits. And, and many of them are good things. Some of them end up as not so good things. But it's so easy to do our life without even giving God a second chance. Just real quick, ask yourself, especially like when you went to college, if some of you that went to college, how long did you spend going, what do God wants me to do with my life before you picked your major? Or was it like, 
I think that I'd make a lot of money doing this. Or before you picked your spouse, how much time did you spend? I'm not calling anybody out. Man, I've made so many decisions without even thinking about what God wanted to do. I'm just asking. When you, when you choose the job that you're in right now, the decisions you make about what you watch and what you hear and what you read, how often do we ask this question, I wonder if God would want this. I wonder if this would be within his moral will. I wonder if this is something that would be something that would guide me closer to him. Jesus says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He says, listen, I'm strong enough. I'm big enough. Build your plans around me. I give you life. I give you purpose. I chose you. I want you. I choose to adopt you as my own. Please consider what it is that I want for your life because I designed you. I chose you. Please choose me. What if finding purpose in life isn't about knowing what we're going to do when we grow up? What if finding purpose in life is about asking ourselves, how can I lose myself in God? I'm not just standing up here blowing steam. Um, I've spent large portions of my life doing what Chris wanted to do. And if you compare my life story to your life story, you might be like, yeah, right. Let me tell you some stories, whatever. But it wasn't about God my whole life. Sometimes day to day I have to wake up and go, stupid, stop, stop. Let me tell you, out there, on my own, blazing my own trail, this dead end after dead end after dead end. But on the times in my life when I focus and say, well, God, what do you want me to do with, your life, with my life? How can I pursue you each day? It's like the barriers are removed. I've done a fair amount of hiking in my life, uh, backwoods and up on mountains, and I love hiking. And, and sometimes the path is nice and level. It's smooth, and you're walking. Somebody came in, like, back in, the, like, when FDR was president and poured gravel, and it was great. And I'm walking on these trails, and it's awesome. And there aren't any potholes. And, and walking on those paths is easy. And I wish that life could always be that way. You're walking on, and he's like, man, this is great. Someone has paved the way for me. And some of you have been blessed to grow up in that lifestyle. I know I have in many areas of my life. But I've also been up on the mountains in some rough patches. Right, where the trail gets about this thin, and there's big old rocks in the trail, and sometimes the stream goes right through the trail, and you got to get your feet wet. And in those times, you're like, this is hard, I'm sweating. <laughs> but you look around, and I'm like, but I'm still very thankful for this trail. Because if this trail were not here, who knows where I would be. There's a verse I want us to, to look at today. It's the one that's on your memory card in your seat. And, and if you're going to memorize a verse this week, this would be a great one. It's from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6, and it says this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Remember what I said about you can know all the stuff that you want. You can know it, know it, know it. You can have a doctor from the school of hard knocks. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, submit to him. This is God. And he will make your path straight. He'll make your path straight. That sounds awesome, right? Like when you're trying to find purpose for your life, and you're like, well, someone just make my path straight? That'd be great. This idea of guardrails has been pretty cool, Okay. But I want to point out this. Jesus tells us yeah, there's going to be hard parts. There's going to be hard parts out there. But I still have a path for you. There might be rocks you have to walk over. You might have to step through a stream or two. Maybe you spent some time blazing your own trail. You know, maybe you've gone off-road or whatever you know, cliche you want to use for being off-road. I've done it. I've been out there and, and, and it looks good. And maybe there's been people who have worn the path down a little bit so it's a little bit easier. And I know for a fact because I've stayed in them there are camps people have set up and it looks a lot like real life out there 
But if, if what you're looking for is purpose, if what you're looking for is control, if what you're looking for is meaning, it's not to be found. Because as soon as the circumstances change, those friends go. As soon as things shift and the tides change and the winds change direction and whatever, it's every man for himself. It's every woman for himself. It's every child for himself. Come on, have you been there? Say, yeah, I hear you, you know? Like, that's, that's for real. And Jesus says, you trust in me with all your heart. And don't lead on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge me. I'll make your path straight. God has something so much better for you. He really does, and, and he chose you. And maybe you're someone this morning who has never chosen him back. Or maybe you did, and it was a long time ago, and you just kind of jumped that rail, and you've been on your own for a while. Can I invite you to come back to the trail? Come back to the road? It's pretty simple. I, I want you if, you, if you want to talk about that, if you want to do that, like I said earlier, grab me or grab a Christian friend or grab a volunteer this morning and say, I want to talk about what it means to become a Christian or to kind of renew my hope as a Christian. We can set up some Bible studies for you and some conversations, maybe some counseling if you need it. We can set up a time, if you decide, I want to choose Jesus for the first time, we can, we can set up a time for you to be baptized. Where you make a, a statement and say, I, I want Jesus to come into my life and I want to change it. I want to have my sins washed away. That's what the Bible teaches us. We should get baptized. And, like, we can set that all up for you. But, but first, it comes down to this choice. God, you chose me. And now I choose you. As a church family, I want to be a people who are trying to discover God's will for their life. And as we're trying to make these decisions, as we choose about how to make our decisions about our careers and our investments, and as you pick your boyfriend and your girlfriend, or you declare your major at school, as you choose what you want to do for fun with your family or just in your free time on the weekends, as you pick the websites you frequent and the books you read and the movies that you watch, I want you to ask yourself, am I living as a chosen, adopted child of God or am I living for myself? Am I walking in a path made straight by Jesus? Or am I blazing my own trail? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, submit to Him. and He will make your path straight. If we can lose ourselves daily, we can find purpose in Jesus. Can I pray for us this morning? Lord, we love you, and I just thank you for giving us the opportunity to choose you. Um, I, I'm sorry for the times when I chose me, or I chose, uh, I chose a friend, I chose a, a passion, or some kind of sensual desire, or whatever. I'm sorry for those times, and I ask, Lord, that you can restore me each time. Lord, thank you for giving me the ability to choose you. Such a beautiful expression of your love. And I pray for anyone in this room this morning who's got questions about God. Lord, I, I pray that you can help them to find those things that they're seeking. And maybe it's right here through this community. Let this be a welcome place. We love you so much, God. And, and I pray that as we uh, just kind of wrap up our time together, that we can leave here as a people who are seeking your path. And your purpose and your plan. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.